0: At the moment, I, I didn't have a clue who was sitting across the table from me. I was at my grandparents' house. I was 13, maybe, probably 11 or 12, but but I was in that age, and I was just visiting with my grandmother and my grandfather, and a gentleman came to, to visit him, and uh, my, my grandfather introduced me, and I didn't pay enough respect to this man, so my grandfather decided that he needed to tell me who this gentleman was. And um, this gentleman was the quarterback at Ole Miss when my grandfather was the running back. And uh, it was in 1939 and 1945 that they played together at Ole Miss and that is not why he was important to my grandfather because after that this gentleman became the starting quarterback of the New York Giants and from 1948 to 1961 Charles Connerly was the starting quarterback he was an All-American at Ole Miss he then went on to be a a great Pro quarterback, but my grandfather didn't stop there. He said, The man that is across the table from you, Brian, is the original Marlboro man. And that didn't move me. He said, You don't know what it is. I said, Yeah, I know what it is, Paul, but okay. He's like, no, his, his face is plastered everywhere. You look at these commercials before they took them off the television screen. You look at every billboard, that is him. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's good. Whatever I got to do to finish this conversation, you know, I, wanna, I want the golf cart. But thinking about it. Now, that man was the definition of manhood by our culture for a generation, for decades. That's what it meant to be a man. But you know what? Time changes. And in our society and in our culture, definitions of manhood change. And it changed from being a macho man with no feelings, tough, grizzled chin, to in the 80s, even to the 2000s, a man meant that he was a pacifist, that he was trampled over. He was even looked at as a buffoon from all angles, and now the definition from our culture and from society, seems to be pushing the pendulum even to more of an extreme where this metrosexual picture of a man is the definition, meaning that there is no difference between the sexes at all. But God's picture of what it means to be a man has never changed from Adam to today. God's definition and his picture of what it means to be a man is constant. Over the next few weeks, I want us to look at what it means to be a man. We've entitled the series Man Up. I like the fighter, and you can't do better than putting that on front of a Harley. I got one. There we go. So ladies, I don't know a grander or more grand gift that can be given on Mother's Day than for Us, men, your men, to be who God called us to be. So over the next few weeks, we are going to somewhat pick apart two verses. And those verses are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm going to read those verses for us, and then we will spend the rest of our time in a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. So the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 are these, verse 13 and 14. Paul wrote as he was finishing this letter to the church at Corinth, he said, Be watchful. Church, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. In other words, man up. Act like men, be strong. And then he closes his thoughts with this sentence, Let all that you do be done in love. So half the congregation this morning, Riverbend, believes that men are backwards anyway, so we are actually going to take these verses and these sentences this morning, and we are going to start at the bottom, at the end, and that's where we're going to jump off this morning in our series. Let everything that you do, let all that you do be done in love. If you're going to be a man, then you and I must learn to love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25 and following states this. Husbands, love. "...as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh. But he nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love. Love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Heavenly Father, as we look at what it means to be a man, Father, I pray that um, you would speak in these moments. Father, I pray that we would see the command that is given, the challenge that is in front of us, and the charge of the commission of what you're calling me to be as a man, what you're calling us to be as men today. May we see those this morning and may they cut to our core to change how we respond to our wives, we respond to our kids, respond to our coworkers, respond to everyone that we come in contact with because we are yours. May our facial expressions change because we are yours. Our attitudes and our actions change because we are Yours, and we desire to be what you have defined as a real man. Lord, would you allow us to hear you this morning, your word, individually, as a body? May we leave changed. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So, the first thing that we see from this passage, if we're going to be a real man, if we're going to man up, you you see that in those verses, in verse number 25 down through verse 33, if we're going to do this, we are commanded to love. We are commanded to love. I already read for you out of Deuteronomy. When when the parents were up here with the the babies, um, I read for you what is known as the Shema. It is the first paragraph that a little boy or a little girl who grew up in a Hebrew family, that they would learn. They they would learn this. They would be able to say it after they could say mama and daddy. That's what they learned. They learned Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. And before they got to what we would call kindergarten, they not only knew that, but they pretty much knew the Ten Commandments. By memory, they knew huge blocks of Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All before they went to kindergarten. Our kids know Xbox and... Nintendo, pretty much about the same weight. Anyway, let's move on. i got time. But as they knew it, as it was put into them every single day, these things came out, and what it was to grow up from boyhood to manhood, they were commanded, you and I as men even today are commanded to love. And how that shows itself in the marriage is what Paul is getting at in Ephesians chapter five verse 25. It's not just in the Old Testament, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 through 40, Jesus answers this question, "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" And he said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang, depend all the law and the prophets. A man is commanded to love. He's commanded to be devoted, to grow close to, to even be intimate with Almighty God. God, and this is love. But guys, I know what your picture is, especially today, because many of you found yourselves like I did over this past week, possibly even yesterday, as I did, in front of a line of cards, a whole wall of cards, and saying, okay, which one am I going to get? Well, this one's pink. Yep. This one's got some pastel colors, and it's got some nice flowers on it, and that's the one that I picked. And I got to the counter, and the card was (laughs) $7.99. Yes, my sweetheart, Paige, is worth $7.99, so therefore, it rung up, and she got her card along with her gifts. But love is not rose petals and tulips and daisies. That's not all that love is. Sometimes love is tough. Reminded of a story of Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh is the one who was the first to fly across the Atlantic Ocean solo. Nonstop, and one of the reasons that he stated he made that trip was because of the example that his grandfather showed him as a man who was tough yet loved. You're like, how's that? Well, here's the story: 7:52 on a morning, Lindbergh got into a single-engine plane. And he tried something that over a half dozen others failed. He got in that plane, and he took off, set his sights on Europe. And for 30 hours and 30 minutes, he didn't know where in the world he was for the sun went down and it was a moonless night and there was fog for hundreds and hundreds of miles. He didn't pack much of anything in this plane. Didn't pack a toothbrush, barely packed one quart of water. He packed five sandwiches, ham and chicken sandwiches and he didn't eat hardly one. Stayed awake 30 hours, 30 minutes and as the sun rose There in the Atlantic, he saw a fisherman. And he circled that fisherman a couple of times, and he was yelling at that fisherman. That fisherman, maybe he didn't know English, couldn't understand English, but Lindbergh was asking, where in the world is Ireland? Where in the world is Ireland? fisherman didn't give him any direction. And then he thought he saw an empty airfield, but it was not empty. And it was not Ireland. And after some 30 hours, 30 minutes, and some odd seconds, he landed to a huge crowd right outside of Paris. And within three days, he had 3.5 million pieces of mail coming his way. 38 people were designed just to take care of Lindbergh's mail. And he was asked, why in the world? How in the world could you do it? He's like, let me tell you about my granddad. My granddad, he was a man. Here's how he was a man, and here's how he showed me tough love. Was it tough? You better believe it was tough. Did I want to quit? Did I think that we weren't going to make it? That I wasn't going to make it? You better believe I didn't think. Over and over, I couldn't see where in the world I was going. If I got turned around, there was fog everywhere. And all I thought about was my granddad, because my granddad was tough. His granddad was a man who cut down trees and sawed them up. And one day he got caught in the saw. And uh, it chewed up pretty much everything. One of the guys that was with him that day at the meal said, I could see his heart beating. And he never said a word. For three days he waited on a doctor to get to the house. Was when doctors made house calls. Three days he waited. He said, well, i got to take this off. And he sewed him up, but never said a word. He said, I sat in my granddad's lap as a little boy, and I knew he loved me. And I knew that if he could go through that, I heard the story, I heard the story, I heard the story. If he could go through that, then I could make it And I can make it, and where others failed, he succeeded. It was love and devotion for this cause that Lindbergh set out for this task. It's love and devotion for this cause, men, that you and I are challenged, commanded in this passage to love. Who are we to love? We're supposed to love God with everything that we have. But then we're commissioned to lead We are commissioned to lead a real man. If he is going to man up, he is commissioned to lead. The example is Jesus in this passage. Who are we to lead? Well, Jesus led his body, his bride. You and I are to lead our bride. Some days it's easy. Some days it's not easy. Some days... Our bride and our family want to follow, and some days our bride and our family don't want to follow. Some days we want to lead, and some days we don't want to lead, but you and I have been commissioned to do just that. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior, speaking of Christ. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also the wives do that to their husbands, and the husbands love their wives just as Christ loved His church. The example over and over again, verse after verse after verse, is that Christ loved His church totally, sacrificially. We as men are to do just the same as we lead them in the direction that God has for them. And then I want to close this morning with this. A man, if he's going to be a real man or if he's going to man up, this man is challenged to live. Let me read the verses and let's talk about it for just a second. Husband, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 25. As Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself. He might present the church in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, here you go guys, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself and I love verse 29 because it's so true. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. So what are you getting at, Brian? Here's what I'm getting at. A man. You. You're challenged to live. Challenged to live. Not not just to exist. Not not just to make it 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. Just so you can go to sleep that night and wake back up and do that same routine again. No, you, sir, are challenged by his word to live. To live in a way that loves him, that leads her. To live in such a way that life exudes out of you and out of me. And how that is seen, Paul states, for those of us who are married in this room, how that is seen is by us loving our wives. (laughs) It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is a synopsis of creation. And at the end of it, it states in verse 26 through 31, it states, Hey, in the image of God, He, God, created Him, Adam, man, male and female, Adam and Eve. And then Paul picks up those words. He says, and man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two, two shall become one. Sir, if you love yourself, and you do, you love yourself selfishly, you do, You love yourself wrongly at times. We do. I do. But if you love yourself, you will love your bride. And you will love your bride in such a way, as Paul states to those at Ephesus, in such a way that you will give yourself to her, You will love God with everything that you have, and you will lead her and your kids. If you and I continue to chase after the things of these days, if we continue to chase after what our culture says manhood is, it's going to change in the next five years, if not the next five minutes. You're going to be shooting toward a moving target and you might hit it one day but you will not continue to hit it because it changes. But God has commanded you, sir. He has commanded you to love, to lead, and to live. And there are those of us in this room that we get one of those three pretty good some moments. We might get a couple of those things some days. But that is the standard. That is the mark. Whether you are in your 20s, your 40s, your 90s, students in your teens, that's the challenge, the command. And the commission. For you and for me, to man up is to love, to lead, and to live. Heavenly Father, this series, this series dealing with what it means to be a man, to act like men, to, to man up. Father, it is a challenge on multiple levels. Lord, for the American male, myself included, As soon as a slight word that even seems to be a critique of how I go about a day, it's extremely easy for me, for us, to throw up a wall, to plug our ears and not hear. Father, You love Brian Tillman so much. And You love every single man, every single woman in this place that... You don't want, desire for us to stay right where we are. Lord, you are going to change us. If we are your sons and daughters, you are going to change us. We will be like you, Jesus. Thank you for that. Father, may we, uh, as men, love well Father may we as men lead may we live not exist but live because you live in and through us and all the challenges and all the encouragement and all the things that are in front of us thank you for those thank you for the heels that you have for us to climb the challenges that we see. There's a start and there's a finish and there's all kinds of obstacles. God, You have uniquely created us. Father, some of us like the woods, the water. Lord, some of us like loud engines, mud, Some of us in this room, Lord. Father, we, we love purses and paisleys and flowers. We, we're your creation, men and women, that you created. God, you designed us for a reason the way that we are And as men and as women today, as moms and dads, may we be that. Sir, you can't change last week or last month. Ma'am, you can't change what happened to you last year. And we are not promised tomorrow, next year, ten years from now. We are not promised those days. What we have right now and the invitation for you and the response for you is open to come maybe you need to kneel at the front and just have a time of prayer maybe you need to pray with me I'll be more than happy to maybe you just need to stay exactly in the spot where you are these moments and respond to him in thanks in confession and repentance But whatever it is, sir, ma'am, student, whatever it is, it is an opportunity for you to respond to what God has spoken to you from His Word. Lord, would you continue to move in us and through us for your glory. We ask it in Christ's name.